Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Brews Less Travel, the podcast exploring the best uncharted beer cities across the U.S. I'm your host, Brian, back from the road this week and uh, joined by our two wonderful co-hosts for this month, Ethan and Glenn. How you guys doing? I, I, I didn't know which one of us was going first. I'm doing good. How you doing, Ethan? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful day, day and we've got some beautiful beers to drink, so I can't think of think of much worse yes i couldn't have said it better myself it's like i i can't even like think of what what kind of day it is because we're here now and this is the highlight of the day yeah well brian we missed you last week glad we to did, see yeah. that you that you were able to, to to work your way back through the the mysteries of travels in your secretive ways yeah uh if you, if you must know what happened is i was uh traveling out west on the oregon trail and we tried <laughs> to fjord a river uh, and it didn't work out we lost most of the party but um, I'm back now. Made my way back here. Caulking the boat is the way to go. You want to put the you get float across. Yeah. Any shades of the Donner Party in your excursion? Uh, <laughs> no. Didn't no. I get, get that extreme? But you thought Didn't about get it. that extreme. All right. Um, but I'm back, and we're back with another episode featuring the great twin cities of Minnesota, Minneapolis, and St. Paul. Tonight we're featuring uh, Falling Knife Brewing Company out of Northeast Minneapolis. Our uh, awesome beer club subscribers got one of these sweet Falling Knife stickers. Yes. Oh, yes. I got one as well. Here we go. And uh, but even more importantly, we got two great beers. We'll be enjoying their Verbal Tip Hazy IPA. And they're all-nighter imperial golden ale. Oh, my goodness. And a treat on top of that, we're going to be joined by one of the founders of Falling Knife, Dan Herman, to get all the inside scoop on these delicious beers. Yeah. And uh, like you guys mentioned, I I missed out last week, really missed out last week. Uh, Shout out to Laura for filling in uh, the hosting role last week. She did an excellent job. It was a great episode. And I just wanted to give everybody a quick update on something the crew touched on with Nico during that episode. Uh, so as we said, Minnesota has uh, crappy restrictive laws around takeout sales for breweries. To recap, breweries mm-hmm. cannot sell six packs or four packs directly to consumers and can only sell 25 ounce growlers and gr- growlers and um, crowlers, growlers, right? and yeah. and they can do glass growlers as well. And mm-hmm. breweries that produce over 20,000 barrels a year can't sell growlers at all direct to consumers oh. or at least they couldn't until last week oh, uh, yeah? thankfully uh governor uh minnesota governor tim walls signed the free the growler bill uh under this new legislature breweries producing under twenty thousand barrels a year can sell four packs and six packs now direct to consumers with a 128 ounce daily limit per customer. This bill also increases the cap on those larger producers, allowing breweries with an annual production up to 150,000 barrels annual. I already said annual. Uh, they can sell 64 ounce growlers direct to consumers. Huge news, huge, huge news for the Minnesota beer scene, especially uh, the smaller breweries. Yeah, I mean, this is some game changing stuff. And I know, you know, in the last year, certainly where Glenn and I sit uh, here in in Gotham City, we have seen all sorts of interesting changes that have allowed more beer distribution to happen here. And it's glad that Minnesota is jumping on that bandwagon a little bit to 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 get the beers out to more people. And I love the name Free the Growler. It feels very appropriate, you know. Yes, yes, it does. It, it, it's and it's. I, I think it's just fantastic because well, there are so many weird, antiquated laws that discriminate against uh, microbreweries that are still sc- slowly scraping them off the books 
and you know trying to get up to date with with our current beer economy uh and so it's really nice to see some, that like as much as we bitch about these things that that someone is actually listening every once in a while and does something good like this yeah it, it's it's really great news for the scene in uh minnesota and i think it's a good time to uh bring on our guests to get into these beers and uh the brewery and this law so please join me in welcoming one of the founders and current chief revenue officer for falling knife brewing company dan herman Hey, everybody. Hey, Dan. Dan. We did it. We're in the year 2000. Thank God it's only 2022. (laughs) We are almost to Utah. Utah. No offense to anybody in Utah. We sent beer there one time. It was great. Yeah. Well, at least you can uh, put beer on tap that is over 5% alcohol. That is true. And I don't have to sign in everywhere I go to a bar. Yes. Uh, So we definitely want to get your reactions more to that legislature, but we uh, need some beer first. So, Dan, can you tell us about uh, Falling Knife's Imperial Golden Ale All-Nighter? Yeah. So uh, this is a thing that's happened in Minnesota before. We certainly didn't come up with the idea of doing what I call a fake out stout. So golden in color, you know, blows minds in the fact that it is, um, you know, smells like coffee. We also added vanilla and cacao to it. It is also 7.9%. So watch out for it. Be easy with those pours. We kind of took it to another level on this. Uh, It was an idea from JP Awad, who was my sales manager at the time of a beer that he thought would do really well with us and and match our brand. And then actually uh, the label designs, all of them are by Patmos Design and Identity, who is Charles Awad uh, and is JP's older brother. And we've worked with uh, Charles since well before we ever opened the brewery on all sales mar- or marketing and, and graphic design elements. And he just does incredible work. So I love this beer. I am not a coffee drinker other than in beer. I didn't take it on in college. Uh, and I decided once I got past that, I was like, well, I don't really need to do this at this point, but I do enjoy the flavors. I enjoy the aromas. Uh, my wife makes coffee every morning. I make coffee for her sometimes uh, if I'm up first with our kid and I'm just like, ah, oh, this is great. And then I taste it. I'm like, ah, this just tastes like hot water run over burnt beans, which is exactly what it is. So that's how I know it isn't for me. You, uh, you enjoy coffee by proxy. Yeah. You know, it's all good. It smells good. So this is, this is actually the third time we've made this beer. It is in collaboration with earth rider out of Superior, Wisconsin, up in the Twin Ports area. They have been also instrumental in getting us going. Tim Nelson uh, has been consulting with us, helping us fill some gaps along the way uh, that we have as as a triumvirate of ownership. And Frank and all them, they actually just took a gold uh, in oatmeal stout at uh, the World Beer Cup, which is not their first major medal. So uh, real, real brew firepower behind there, but we wanted to do a collaboration with them. They have a Duluth Pale Ale, so it's uh, kind of like the five and a half percent of this. Uh, and we just were like, well, we're falling knife. So we kick it up and um, I really enjoy it. A lot of people enjoy it. It's fun when people come in the tap room, they're like, Hey, do you have anything that's an Amber? And we're like, no, not really. But um, we got this and they're like, wow, this is incredible. So, and I agree. Cheers to you guys. Cheers for sure. This is incredible. Yeah, it really is. People yeah. at home are loving it. I'm definitely getting a ton of coffee off the nose, which mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I love. And I know Glenn is a massive stout fan, so I'm curious your uh, your feelings. On yes, this one. Uh, and in certain certain uh, areas, I'm known as Captain Porter Brown Stout. 
And yeah, because and and this month has been notably light on on uh, on the darker beer, so this is a really nice uh, thing to have. That like I didn't I didn't read it close when I read Golden Imperial. Sometimes these ones they'll 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 call it like a white stout or something like that. So, but I wasn't until you really look at the, see that there's coffee and vanilla and cacao nibs. Like, oh okay, this is this is a golden ale with a stout profile, and it's uh, it's just it's really delicious. Uh, love it. And the brew team does a great job of making like 7.9% sneaky, sneaky, sneaky. Yeah, yeah. This one definitely is going to catch up to me. I can already feel it. Yeah. Yeah. It's right there at that foreign export stout level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cheers guys. Let's, let's, let's get in some beer. Cheers. Cheers. Shout, out, shout out to chat. Thanks for joining us. Shout out chat. Shout out uh, all of our subscribers. How you doing? Let's, let's move on and get into your feelings about that law change. Obviously. Yes. Huge for small breweries. Yeah, it's, it's a really good thing. It's a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, it doesn't do all package, which was what I would have hoped for. It, it, and we didn't even get 32 ounce crawlers out of it. There's a lot of resistance to change in beer in Minnesota, which Ethan can probably speak to as well as I can. Um, we only got tap rooms 10 years ago, seven years ago, something like that. Like, honestly, we didn't have tap rooms until then. We can't have liquor. We can't have wine. We can't have more than one tap room. There's a whole bunch of laws here that are, that are just restrictive. Um, you have to navigate them. They don't certainly encourage business. Um, we're only allowed to throw 12 days of parties uh, that extend our premises in the oh. city of Minneapolis. So there's there's a number of things that we're that we're dealing with here. But going back to the the fours and six packs, it's good. It's going to benefit a lot of breweries. Uh, I'm also very excited, uh, even though we are one of the small breweries that the five breweries in the country that couldn't sell beer out of their own tap room are now able to do that. Um, a lot of them are good friends. I also just think that that was a really stupid law. Um, so they're all scrambling now to figure out how to crawler. And we're like, Hey, we were doing 2,500 crawlers a week at one point in the middle of the pandemic. So, uh, why don't you go ahead and come on over and we'll show you how to, how to crank these out. Um, not that they need any lessons from us on that, but, um, more than that, you know, we had a backup crawler machine that we made available to any of them if they needed something to fill a gap in the short term. But um, yeah, it, it's nice. I don't know. I would have rather been able to sell three, seven, five bottles as well because we are limited to 750 milliliter bottles and uh, dark match, which is not around here. Oh, this is an even better example. Oh, we got props. I love it. Yeah. For 365 days of incidents, number two, which is our anniversary party, we did a uh, double stout or sorry, a, a double barrel aged stout. So it was in heaven Hill barrels. And then we were gifted a Eagle rare barrel. So we took a stout, threw it in there. Uh, when we went and sent it to get tested for alcohol, they actually thought that their machine was broken. Um, they had to run it through three or four times because it came out at 17, seven. All right. All right. <laughs> so, you know, just that your average cabin crusher, you know, sitting on a pontoon boat, but I was forced to sell it in 750 milliliter bottles and they were expensive bottles, actually not as expensive as they probably should have been, but I would have rather had that beer go twice as far uh, with little shorties. And then somebody could have it at night and not, you know, wake up dead. Um, (laughs) And and particularly given that we are still in the middle of a pandemic, you know, not having bottle shares, you know, Minnesota, we have to be outside in the winters and, and, that's not as fun. So, but 17.7 makes it feel okay. But yeah, they ran it through three times. It came in at 17.7, 17.6, and 17.8. So um, they thought that they had just left wash in the machine to uh, to, to determine the alcohol. So uh, that's my disappointment. I, I would really, really love to be able to sell any size package. I would much more prefer to be able to get to 32 ounce crawlers because Nico talked about it. 
when ball is looking at 49 states that need crawlers and one state that needs 750s and there's an aluminum shortage, they go, Hey, guess what? Sorry, you can't do it. Yeah. Now, is, is there is there a limit to the ABV in general in Minnesota? Are there any limits there? Same as federal. I think it's like 24%, something like oh, that. Because I know there are a lot of states that have them like, the, like ca- capped it at like 12 or 13 for a while. Yeah. I mean, if there is anything, nobody's ever talked about it in Minnesota. And if so, like, don't be a narc. Yeah. <laughs> well, when you're when you're ice fishing, you need something to warm you up. You need and like 750 that's... milliliter bottles of 7. Yeah, exactly. 7 going to do it yeah. for you. Yeah, and it, it rules. It was great. Uh, actually, it was kind of nice that we got that thing tested for alcohol when we did because I was able to change it. And we were going to do eight ounce pours of it. And I just bought little three ounce compostable glasses for our party. So it was kind of cool. Everybody just kind of got like a shot and a beer uh, at our party to start it off. You gave me something when I was there that was so strong. I don't think it was 17. It was 13 or 14 percent, but it was so smooth and enjoyable. Yeah, I can't probably, remember what it was. probably fun mom shoulders. Yes. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Fun Mom Shoulders is thusly named because uh, when we launched the brewery, we did the Appetite for Decoction, which was a tour that we did to nine. No, we did 10 different uh, restaurants that I had relationships with or we had relationships with. But the first day that we were doing that was Grumpy's Northeast, which is a known and beloved dive bar, craft dive bar. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. it's an institution in Minnesota. It really is. Pat Dwyer ran uh, AMRAP records and and is just like a a beloved staple of it. But so we launched our beer there. My wife, my now wife and uh, Charles, our uh, creative director's wife, were talking to each other. Charles and I were standing across from them talking as well. And somebody kind of cut through us and was like, fun mom shoulders coming through. And Charles and I just looked at each other like, well, we got it now. So uh, it's a a maple praline coffee cake stout and it's delicious. That is perhaps the most Minnesota thing I've heard in a bit. Right. That's, that's pretty it was, excellent. It was a dude and he was missing teeth because it was grumpies. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's what you find there. That's on brand. I know. Well, I want to know a little bit more about the name Falling Knife. I mean, your logo is so excellent. It's the, the thumb has, has disappeared itself. Oh, dear. So oh, it's wow. a kitchen reference. So now I got to know this story. Yep. So uh, it's, an, it's an old restaurant term. I've spent... I don't know, way too long in restaurants before I started doing this. So I think I'm on like year 27 of the service industry and a falling knife has no handle, right? Don't do the risky thing. If a knife is falling, do not try to catch it. Let it hit the ground and then collect it from there. Um, Well, Minnesota has a lot of breweries and we were late to the game. We opened in October of 2019. So it's been just smooth sailing the entire time. Um, we were a brewery and planning uh, in the cities. There was a brewery that went out of business in our location. Um, our commercial real estate agent was neighbors with the uh, landlord. And so we were the first people to get in and take a look at, at the space. It completely changed our business model. We were going to go more of the straight up tap room route and do a little bit of sale into on-premise. So we were looking at like a seven or 10 barrel system. We instead have a 20 barrel system. But we spent about a year and a half completely retrofitting the place to be what we wanted it to be. We could have just like slapped paint on walls and then reopened uh, as a different name for the same brewery. But that isn't how we really do anything. We want to do it well. We want to do it right from top to bottom, you know, beer, uh, graphic design, marketing, photography, uh, taproom experience, all of that. We knew that because we were kind of late, quote, late to the game. Uh, you had to nail all of it to get to get to the level that we wanted to be at. And that's what we've done. Um, so we reach out, we try to catch that knife. We really take licks along the way sometimes, but uh, we generally do it with open eyes and, and know when we 
when we're going to get beat up and uh, we try to get beat up less and less. So, but yeah, I woke up one morning and I, I went to my wife and I was like, Hey, um, I think I'm going to go get a tattoo today. She's like, what are you going to get? I was like, well, so we refer to my, our son as bean. Uh, Cause at one point, one of those pregnancy apps said he's the size of a bean. I thought that was really cute. Um, his name is Jeremy. So I was going to get a bean tattooed on my forearm uh, that looks like a stuffed animal that he has. And uh, I was also going to just to fill out the house rate, uh, get my thumb tattooed like the logo. And they started with my thumb and I went into shock because uh, oh. there is a nerve. So I got the inside tattooed as well. There's a nerve right here and there's a nerve right here and there's a nerve right here. And at one point, the tattoo artist was like, um, did you know you're in shock? I was like, oh, really? No, I had no clue. She's like, yeah, I'm not going to do the other tattoo. Like, we're going to we're going to go. This is going to be five minutes of just unpleasant for you. But uh don't die on me. Okay. I was like, great. I love when everybody starts a sentence with don't die on me. <laughs> it's always <laughs> promising. Yeah. Well, uh, you uh, mentioned it. you opened in 2019 uh, at the end of the before times. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about how those first months went and how you adapted during quarantine? Well, I, I remember only a little bit of it. No. Uh, uh, yeah. So it was cool. We got a we got a full winter. And then right when March started to take off for us in Minnesota, we made the decision to cut uh, to shut our tap room down before we were shut down. Mm. Um, we didn't really understand what this was. Uh, we take our employees very seriously. We take their well-being very seriously. We have a staff psychiatrist that we pay for half of their first four sessions of, of uh, therapy oh, if, wow. they, if they want it. We, we really do truly care because we, we're a very small company. Um, we, we act in a much larger way than we are because that's where we want to be. But we're, we've, all, we've got 20 employees right now, including taproom staff, uh, which is also running on bare bones. But we didn't know what it was. We were up. We were concerned. Uh, we decided to shut down two days before we were shut down. And I spent 72 hours turning our business into Amazon. Um, oh. So I created the model for uh, Crowler delivery, which we learned was actually legal for us to do. Uh, it, that was a question that we had. We had a 12 mile radius. I had two drivers running. Well, the first day we third first day of, of that, cause everybody thought it was going to be two weeks. It was more or less a two week vacation mm-hmm. um, was one of the biggest days we've ever had in the tap room. We sold uh, Mike Knox, who was my, I've worked with Mike at Tilia for years going into this. He was going to be one of my drivers that day. And I texted him at two after we had announced that we were going to close down the tap room and do Crowler delivery starting that day. Uh, I texted him. We're fucked. <laughs> oh, because Very I think subtle, we, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I've worked with him in restaurants for the better part of 10 years at this point. So uh, I think that we had like 140 crowlers already ordered in the first two hours. Holy moly. Yeah. So we we were filling like 2,500 crowlers a week during the first bit of the pandemic because we also we have a wild goose canning line, which is what we use now. We inherited it from the previous brewery. Um, but it wasn't up and running. We didn't have that thing ready. We, we had to flip our business model entirely on its head for the last two years. We were going to do mostly tap room, a little bit of on-prem and just a sliver of off-prem. And then we immediately had to go, okay, now we are making beer in the most expensive way we possibly can. And for the first several months, we were just crowlering and selling crowlers to liquor stores, which is not ideal. Uh, you know, Nico says five days on, on uh, crowlers. We actually do DO testing on them sometimes and, and they can be more like, if you get it in your face by two weeks, you're okay. Um, we mm-hmm. do also 
flip crawlers. So if somebody had purchased the crawler from us and they were like, this is oxidized, we're not into it. I was like, come on into the tap room. We'll swing through it and go from there. So yeah, we moved entirely into a delivery model. We did pick up crawlers from the tap room. We didn't let anybody go again with an ownership towards our people. You know, we had two people labeling and two people crawlering and the brewers brewing and we were rotating schedules and, and uh, hemorrhaging money. But uh, it, it was important to us to to make sure that we were taking care of our people. And then as they were finding other gigs, we were just not replacing them. Yeah. Uh, and then we also ran, again, because of my affinity for the service industry, we ran a thing called a crowler ship. So anybody that was a displaced service industry worker was allowed to come get a free crowler on us. Uh, and we also gave people an opportunity to support their, their service industry friends with that. So people would buy crawlers. We would you know, refill the pool with more crawlers. And if you were a displaced service industry worker, like, dude, we all needed a beer in that moment. And it might as well be us that gives it to you. And we never ran dry. Uh, Honestly, the community that we've had is, is great because they've, they've been really very willing to, to help out when we make the call for helping out, you know, uh, today is the two year anniversary of George Floyd being murdered by Minneapolis police. We ran uh, a drop-off point for the needs that people had because the North side got completely destroyed by this. And, you know, Lake Street, my cub got destroyed. So there were places and people that needed stuff. And, you know, my wife and I filled up our backpacks and we were walking around helping the helpers, uh, doing what we could as well. But we were handing out water bottles and people were out there handing out burritos. And it was it was really cool to see a city unite over something so terrible and tragic. But, you know, service is part of what we try to do here because, you know, we got to sleep at night, you know. Yeah, that uh, aren't there something like 217 breweries in Minnesota? Which week? Last week or this week? Yeah, wow. Well, okay, my figures are from 2020. So it just keeps I'm, showing I'm up. Going, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I think total we've lost like five breweries. Okay, in the so last it's still two over years. 200 then. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm saying like yeah. we're probably way past. If if 2020 is the number, we're way past that at this point. Okay, I, I know like six breweries that opened in the last couple of weeks. So. So they're a, a pretty significant part of the state's economy. So you'd think they'd be more on top of, you know, making things better for the microbrew uh, community. And speaking of, of all of your great beers, we're at about the halfway point. And I think I'm, I'm still working on a little of this, uh, this one, but I think uh, it's time for another beer. What do you, what do you say? Should we check out this verbal tip? Let's do it. I mean, I'm ready to go on this one. Yeah. Um, I have this uh, leftover salted cookie from Arby's for dinner tonight. Had a very oh, nice, nice healthy dinner. And I'm trying to see how it pairs with the different breweries or different beers. So look at this guy showing good up to be he thorough, ate dinner. Yeah. yeah, I know. So pr- so proud of him. Oh, I had dinner. I had a, yeah. I had a deli sandwich from Arby's. I'm I'm really riding high on the hog. Oh yeah. Well, there's a, a taco food truck out front. I'm going to continue to try to taste, but um, if I don't make it in time, there's the Mexican pizza's back. There you go. There's a pairing opportunity there, I'm sure. Let's take a beer break and talk about some art. You didn't think we were going to go an entire month without talking about public art, did you? Now, the Minneapolis Sculpture Garden outside of the Walker Art Center has some of the best public art I've seen during my travels. Here you can see a sculpture of a cherry sitting atop a large spoon. Known as Spoon Bridge and Cherry, this piece has become the unofficial symbol for the city of Minneapolis, and it's the centerpiece for a beautiful garden of sculptures. The garden also includes an iconic love statue by artist Robert Indiana, as well as a number of other pieces. 
You can find more about the center at walkerart.org. And again, I highly recommend experiencing these amazing cities for yourself. So maybe also book a flight to MSP while you're on the computer browsing it up. But for now, let's get back to the show. So uh, I will I will admit when I was uh, back uh, on my misadventures, my secret adventures back to uh, back to the Twin Cities to see my family, um, I did have my father pull a couple out and he did pull this one out. So I have enjoyed this. Uh, and my 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 old Minnesota or, you know, Minnesota father turns to me and he says, oh, falling knife. They're doing such good stuff. So I just want you to know that the, the the OG hipsters of the world, Minnesota dads in their flannel and their boots are definitely uh, cheerleaders on this one. Yeah. Uh, and I love this beer the first time I had a chance to try it. So I'm excited to have it again. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's a, it's a really, really excellent beer. So good time for me to call out um, the brew team. We have an excellent brew team here at Falling Knife. So uh, Tom Berg is my business partner. He is the back of house to my front or at front of house to continue the restaurant parlance. Um, so he, I'm in charge of all revenue generating things. So marketing, tap room, uh, sales team, PR, you know, whatever festivals, whatever else you want to say about that. And then Tom is really the, the final straw on beer. Um, Tom had previously brewed over at Wicked Wirt. He's won gobs of, so the original Hazy that came out in Minnesota was actually Tom. That was his recipe. Won gobs of like homebrew metals. He and I used to brew together in Primary Fermenters, which is a homebrew club here. Uh, that actually just folded a couple of weeks ago. We kind of decided, I guess it kind of like went away and, and everybody kind of decided, but Venn down here is from them. Clutch is from Primary Fermenters. There's a whole bunch of professionals that came from that homebrew club. So shout out to Primary Fermenters. But Tom liked brewing a lot more than I did. I really liked recipe development and I really mm-hmm. liked consumption. Cleaning and the actual like waiting for the brew process wasn't really my jam as far as homebrew goes. Um, I won a couple medals too, but it wasn't really my thing. So Tom had had like a, an honest to God, one barrel uh, nano brewery into his basement. And so I would just go over and brew beers with him. He could do all of the brew part. And we joked that I would like take a nap partway through the brew day. And then we would like split that batch later. Uh, but Tom, you know, is definitely the beer side of this on our level. And then we also, when we opened up, we hired Robbie Denaway as our head brewer. Robbie's great. Robbie's a haze wizard. He came from, uh, I think, five years at Surly and a year at Fair State. Uh, and again, that old restaurant mentality. Of breweries. Right. Yeah. Really great ones where you learn a lot of like really intense process stuff. Uh, I attribute a lot of my skill in the service industry to I worked at Kincaid's. Uh, so a fine dining corporate steakhouse for seven years. And you learn a lot of stuff working in that kind of like regimented, everybody does it this way kind of thing. But um, Robbie, the corollary I use is like, when you open a restaurant, you go ask all the other chefs, who is the sous chef that has, is ready for their next shot, right? And Robbie's name came up over and over again in that circumstance. It's like, Robbie is ready for his run at it. We, inv- we interviewed a lot of people. Robbie was far and away the best candidate. He came in for a second interview that he didn't realize was an interview. He thought it was just going to be like a meet the owners kind of stuff because that was that conveyed to him. So sorry, Robbie, that I immediately launched into uh, corporate interview mode uh, in that moment, but... <laughs> Uh, you did well, obviously, and you've been here the entire time. So yeah. And then we also have, uh, Al Erbach, 
and uh, Will. So we have two actual like on the floor brewers. Robbie will jump in when we need him to. Uh, and Tom kind of lives up in the, in the upper level with me uh, as far as like setting the path of things. Uh, shout out to Jared. I'm glad you enjoyed the, the beer. Uh, inspiration for the can art. So verbal tip, if you don't know what that is, it's an old restaurant term as well. Somebody says, oh, you did a great job. I really enjoyed my meal. Here is 10%. <laughs> oh, it, it is a verbal tip. Uh, and then, so the can art, as you'll note, is just kind of like the impermanence of money. So you can have a crown and you die. You can eat a scepter, literal money on fire and the crumbling dollar sign. Uh, so that is where the inspiration for that can art goes. I feel like this is a good me- me- moment to mention always tip your servers and your bartenders. Yes, Absolutely. continue to over tip them. Particularly now, we're, we're not out of this yet. Like, yeah. you know, I, I was talking about this too, is like, you know, we, if 10% more people come back, every restaurant's going to be in a way better place. And I'm not saying that if you're not comfortable with going out, you should go out. Do not. You're fine. Everything's good with that. But, you know, I've, I've had to have the explanation to people that they're like, oh, I do carry out. Okay, great. You know where restaurants make their money? On their booze. Mm-hmm. So you're not buying booze from them right now. So everybody's going to have to raise their money or their, raise their prices on food, which should have happened a long time ago anyway. Um, but it's not going to be Perkins prices for, you know, filet anymore. It's actually going to be what it costs to run a restaurant. Yeah, that's very true. Um, well, speaking of service industry and background, um, what you've got this sort of, uh, you know, awesome tap room. Um, and uh, I want to know with all these years in the service industry, kind of what do you think makes a tap room experience really stand out uh, and specifically what you guys are doing at Falling Knife? Yeah. So we talk a lot about uh, the idea of a third space, so you've got your home, you've got your job. What is the third space that you go to? Where do you feel very welcome and comfortable? So if you've ever been to our tap room, General Brian has, uh, we have two different spaces entirely. So what you guys are seeing in your backgrounds of your, of your uh, Zoom is our third space. So there's no TVs. Uh, you go there, you're going to talk to people, right? You're, we do mm-hmm. a, a vinyl DJ night every Monday. You can just listen to somebody that comes in and curates their own vinyl list. And then if you go into the back tap room, that's where our 100 CD jukebox is, which is curated by the tap room staff, uh, as well as all the rest of the employees. Owners get a lot more picks than the employees. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> that's the privilege of, of ownership, I imagine. Right. It's the only place where there's four TVs. So Tom, uh, Andy, our third business partner, who is the CEO and uh, is in charge of operations, he and I, I had tip, uh, season tickets for a long time for the Timberwolves. Tom has season tickets for the Timberwolves. Currently, they're finally okay again. We'll see how this offseason goes. But we, you know, during our playoff run, we were hosting games. Uh, we were hosting watch parties for games back there. And there's seven pinball machines. So it's really more of that, like, bar-esque atmosphere. And you can also, like, stare into the brew house. But the front room is really more about, like, come be, be a part of who you're here with. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Um, and then we do table service. Uh, we are one of the few breweries in the state that does table service. Actually, I think we might even be the only, I, I don't call me on that, but that's, that's certainly from me. That's a, that's a position that I took very early. Like, you know, I really don't like when a brewery is busy and you have to wait, you know, 15 minutes to get a beer and you kind of get your beer and you want to go back into line and go get another one. So we do table service. It doesn't really impact our labor expense that much. If I can convince any other brewery owners, go towards a table service model. Um, you'll actually sell more beer because uh, 
when you get to a point where somebody's at a low glass and their friend isn't, you start getting them into a game of halves. So like, oh, you want a beer, right? And they're like, oh, I do want a beer. And then like, when that friend finishes their like half beer, you're like, oh, you want a beer too, right? And and they'll stick around and they'll enjoy it. Um, and then also it allows us to do much better service out on our patio. So uh, we only get like two weeks of nice weather every summer. And so we we really need to take advantage of that. And, and uh, the only time we don't do table services during one of our block parties. I don't know if this is working, but this is also the uh, the bar menu in the pinball room. Yep. Cool. So it looks like a guitar amp. And uh, one thing that's super cool. So that's form from form. Uh, Adam Peshman is his name. Uh, he wrote me an email when we reached out to him about doing our tap boards. And it was like three o'clock in the morning. He's like, do you want a chalkboard? Then don't fucking work with me. Here's my ideas. <laughs> and I was like, well, I... I definitely want to work with this dude, but each one of these guitar switches controls the, um, the board, like this, this bottom right one is out. And if you scroll to the right side of that photo by chance, uh, you'll notice that that switch on the far, far right is down. So when we run out of a beer, we can take and turn off that light. Oh, well, that's and it lets cool. you know that that beer is not available. And then if you go to the front tap room, those, uh, ball bearings in the middle, quote unquote, pinballs, if you remove one of them, as you'll notice in the far bottom left, it will uh, turn the light off there as well. So that cool. is decidedly sweet, as people are saying in the chat. I love yeah. everything about that. It's, it's so yeah. cool. I had Dan. I had such a good time uh, in the tap room. It was it was really great hanging out, and uh, you know yeah. that was a great evening. And just happened by chance that you were there that night, and uh, we met up. We drank lots of beers. We hung out. We talked. Yeah. I had just gotten back from North Carolina like an hour and a half previous. So yeah, yeah it was crazy. And uh, but when I was getting ready to leave the tapping room, uh, you started to play uh, cribbage with a random tap room guest behind me, which you can actually see in the picture behind us. Like, oh yeah, like, there yeah. Also, when I was at Uda Pills earlier in the week, they were having a cribbage tournament. So what is up with the love for cribbage? In the uh, it's cold for like seven months of the year. <laughs> uh, we got to find other things to do sometimes. So yeah, cribbage is just something you learn how to play at somebody's cabin along the way. Um, I was the Buffalo Bills of cribbage in the science camp I went to growing up. I won second place four straight years and I have not gotten over it. I pay somebody $130 a, a week to talk about it. Uh, no, uh, no, it's just one of those things. And actually, it's funny because if, if there's somebody that doesn't know how to play cribbage, like really think about explaining the rules of cribbage because it sounds like you're cheating the entire time. It's like, oh, you cut a jack and I get a point, you know, and I cut a jack and I get two points. You know, it's like, holy, what the hell are we doing? Like, this doesn't make sense. But then it does at one point. So, yeah, um, I, I loved cribbage growing up. I, I played it again, like I said, at, at science camp, camp where am I shout out. It just kind of sticks with you and you never really forget how to play cribbage until like you'll play one game or two games and you'll be back to it. Um, we don't do a cribbage tournament. There's a lot of breweries in the city that do a cribbage tournament. I don't really know why we don't, even though I'm the person that makes the decision of whether or not we do. It just feels like there's enough other places to go play cribbage. Um, we'd rather just people come in and hang out, but I've, I mean, I've, perfected playing cribbage on a plane with a cocktail napkin at one point, you know, like all, all you need is a deck of cards and the ability to count to 121, which having gone to Arizona state is sketchy for me at times, but uh, we go from there. Yeah, exactly. Jonathan, you learned cribbage from your grandfather. 
it is it is definitely an OG game. Yeah, you know, so like Ohio has Euchre, uh, which I also learned how to play. That's a trick taking game. If you don't know Euchre, I didn't I know tried- it was Ohio specific. I uh, I mean it's everywhere I grew up now, there and I, yeah yeah it, it, that that's that's the Ohio cribbage even though cribbage is like everywhere but like I know I have friends that play like unseen I have a friend that you can take your 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 hand and just flash it real quick and he'll tell you exactly how many points you have in your hand it's interesting it's it's a fun game there's a lot of variance to it and it doesn't take a whole lot like I'm really excited to teach Jeremy how to play cribbage at some point and just absolutely kick the shit out of him for a while until he gets better I would have been excited to learn uh however i had had many beers by the time i was getting ready to leave the tap room and there's no way i was learning anything new when uh on that evening well they, yeah. then i think you Go did it right bridge. brian it sounds like but uh well so I, I a lot of people are planning if you were watching the chat are planning their trips just to come sure and, uh, and and join and check out your tap room uh, and maybe uh rib on uh, the vikings a little bit while they're there um but the reason yeah that- the the bears fan right now is feeling cocky right now the bears fan is feeling cocky <laughs> Well, but the, when I get back uh, to the cities to visit family and also to come and check out your brewery, I will be there because I understand that you and I share a deep love of pinball. And you mentioned the pinball machines, so I got to know what's up with the pinball machines. Yeah, so uh, Minneapolis has a super cool and very much growing pinball scene. It's actually nationally like coming back in a major way. Um, I have a deep love of pin- uh, deep love of pinball. Uh, I try to cross pinball and affinity there, uh, pinnity. Uh, 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 so I have a deep love of pinball as well. I, I've been playing for years now. At one point, I was, I think, as high ranked as like number nine in the state. Um, while I was in the throes of of my pinball obsession, um, I play in a, a city league. Uh, so you have home and away bars. Uh, Falling Knife is obviously uh, the half ramp champs home bar. We actually just on Monday secured the number one seed going into the playoffs. Uh, against the former number one seed um, who, you know, we'll probably will run into in the uh, finals in a couple of weeks. But yeah, I, I had two pinball machines at home until they ended up being right below the baby's bedroom. And then my wife was like, get these out of here. And if you want to <laughs> hang out and play pinball uh, late at night, feel free. Uh, but yeah, so Starship Troopers uh, and RoboCop are mine. We otherwise uh, work with Ben Granger, who is an operator. So he takes the majority of the coin drop, but he keeps all the machines running. Um, so we have uh, NBA Fast Break, Guardians of the Galaxy, and uh, uh, oh, Jurassic Park right now on the wall that is that direction from us. And then we have two more machines kind of almost directly below me right now, which is uh, the new Avengers and also the new Godzilla. So like we did a, a pinball launch party here for Godzilla uh, where there was a tournament. We do a second Sunday tournament every uh, month. And yeah, there's a lot of pinball that's happening. And we, we try to be kind of like the feeder system into like the, the actual pinball bars. But yeah, I basically, when I travel, I go to uh, breweries, nice restaurants, uh, pinball bars and aquariums. And that, oh, that, that's very, you know, it's, it's very diverse uh, field of interest there. Yep. A renaissance man. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't uh, go that far. Just a, a, a man that likes consumption and uh, fish. <laughs> okay. That's great. But, but, but not the band. Okay. No, no. Fish, oh. with, fish an with an F, not fish a PH. Got it. Yeah. Clarify there. Clarify there. To get on the same page with music there, because as a, as a fellow fish disliker, uh, I notice over your shoulder is a all your tap lists there. 
And uh, one of those beer names is Rational Gaze, which I believe is a reference to a song from one of my absolute favorite death metal bands. It's not another restaurant reference? No, no. no. We got plenty of those, though. Uh, No, Rational Gaze, uh, we did a collaboration with Ology. Uh, Max from Ology, one of the owners, is a a good friend of us and a good friend of the brewery. And uh, yeah, we did a, a... a double dry hopped hazy double IPA with citrus strata and Michigan copper hops, which are super, super cool. They have like this almost like candy strawberry element to them. Uh, minor grower in, in Michigan. They're also like shockingly inexpensive. They don't like let everybody else in the industry know, but um, really, really cool stuff coming out of Michigan as far as hops go. But yeah, rational gaze was entirely about, uh, yeah. Hold on. Oh my gosh. More props. So exciting. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah. This is uh for those of the audio podcast, because you've got to go look at it on a YouTube right now. Right. Oh, there we go. Ooh. So like rad, rad graphics, more from Patmos identity, uh, design and identity, I should say. Somebody, Troy in the chat was asking, what is a Michigan hop called again? It was copper. Um, yeah. Michigan copper hops. Yeah. I believe Michigan is the number four state in terms of hop production in the United States right now. Uh, huge on wine too. Shockingly yeah. high on why I think it's like right behind New York, uh, upstate New York. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it's something like sixth or seventh, which was just baffling to me. So my wife's family has been going to, uh, a cottage just up. They don't call them cabins in, in Michigan. They're called cottages in Michigan. Cottage. I learned that. Yes. I learned that major way. Um, <laughs> so they've been going to the same cottage since before even my wife was born. Uh, so I was included in that when I obviously joined the family, uh, to go out to Michigan and, um, Learn that fact about it. So it's just outside of Traverse City. Um, the coin slot, if you're ever in Traverse City, super cool pinball bar. Uh, I went there last year and I won their monthly tournament uh, just to let them know how actual pinball is played. I'm just kidding. Come at me. Uh, and then uh, really one of the better breweries I had when I was up there to give them another shout out to is Farm Club. So it's a farm to table brewery. Uh, they have a very small system, but they were very kind, really good food, and they made really excellent beer. I would not be surprised if we saw Michigan City in the future. On, uh, I think we just got a hint, beer. everyone, in oh, case yeah. you were noticing. Oh, my yeah. goodness. If Brian was being too subtle, that was a hint. No, I, I actually, we are not, we are not, I, I'm just going to spill the beads. We are not planning to, but eventually I think Michigan would be a, a state that would be great because they're in the top 10 in terms mm. of number of breweries uh, in the entire state. And they just have such a great beer scene that a lot could be owed to craft beer legend larry bell and what he mm-hmm. did for that sure so i got to go to the 30th birthday party for bells and another thing that is an antiquated minnesota law is that you cannot have variable pricing so have you guys what? ever been to a, a stock market bar i no. think yeah i think i think there's one in on midtown in the theater yeah. district in but manhattan for, for those where they who have, have them like sh- listed on a like a ticker tape yeah no so yeah so uh, every 15 minutes, this bar will change the price of the beers based on how much uh, beer was sold over the previous 15 minutes. It's such an incredible concept. I really wish I could do that randomly, like on a weird, you know, ticker Tuesday or whatever it would be called. But like, so Michelob Ultra would all of a sudden just like spike to $8 a 16 ounce pour. <laughs> and then like, you know, uh, like Fin de Mont would be like, a buck because nobody would have ordered a Belgian, but it like, it's, it's a, you tie into the blended margin. There's whole like systems behind it, but it's super fun. Cause you're sitting there you're like, all right, if I don't order this beer for the next 15 minutes, what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it'll happen. And then it's incredibly fun. Cause you're like, 
betting against futures of these things. And it's also really fun because every once in a while, randomly, there'll just be a crash and everything just drops to like $2 for the next 15 minutes. And there's just like this rush of people to the bar to buy, you know, the, the CBSs and, and uh, you know, the, the best things on that list in that moment. It's just like a really fun, really engaging way to deal with like going out to drink, which is like, I, I don't think anybody, anybody will be surprised, but like, I really enjoy like the actual service element of the service industry. So it's awesome. Uh, it was in Comstock, if I recall correctly, or it was in Kalamazoo. Those are right next to each other. I hope it existed. I hope it still exists. Um, <laughs> hope it existed. I, it did exist. I know for a fact. I hope I didn't, I didn't dream it. Yeah, I didn't just steal How this. many beers did you have? Yes. Yeah, plenty, because they were $2. Uh, no, uh, I, I would too. I, I hope and then it, I might imagine a whole type of bar. Yeah, I hope it still exists. But man, if I came up with that on this podcast, hashtag uh, trademark, copyright. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, not, not only are you spilling the beans about the Michigan hops, but you're also talking about a whole new business model for breweries. Verbal oh copyright, God. verbal copyright. Verbal yes. well, copyright. Yeah, and that's one of those things too, is like, you know, uh, Nico and John and, you know, Brian Hoffman from Fulton and all these people in our industry, in our specific market here in Minnesota, we're all super cool. Like there are basically, if you're a jerk in our market, you're the one that gets pushed out. Uh, you are not welcome to the table at that point. You aren't welcome to like the, the hangouts that we have. Again, we talk about mental health, but like we have meetings amongst ownership sometimes that are just like, how are you doing? You know, like the, the I'm, workers' rights are huge. They're very important. I am, I am about as far left as you can possibly be to the point where my wife sometimes calls it annoying. And she was on strike as a teacher. But mm-hmm. uh, MPS, shout out MPS for winning what they needed. And yep. also, you guys were talking about Oregon Trail earlier. That is mm-hmm. a Minneapolis Public Schools product. That's true. I grew up with that as a product of the Minneapolis Public Schools. So feel it. Yeah, I uh, 100% intended that that reference. I wasn't just making that because I, I used know. to play that as a kid. I exactly. 100% making that reference to time. It, you're, you're on another level. Telling you a know, different story. We're and all I'm right 54. here, and you're just right here, right? <laughs> but uh, wonderful. As an industry, we all we all back each other. Again, I'm I'm genuinely excited for Fulton and Surly and Summit and Shells and Castle Danger to be able to sell beer out of their own tapper. Genuinely excited. Possibly even more excited than I am I am for my own ability to sell four packs out of my own taproom, or at least on the same level. So we, we really are a community that does this. We do a lot of collaborations here in town. We just did another one uh, outside of our market, uh, Convivio. So we did an Italian Pilsner with Ma- Maplewood out of Chicago. It is delicious. Mm. That came out for CBC. We did uh, another collaboration with YCH for uh, CBC called Permanent for Now. And we did that with Made West out of Ventura. We did a collaboration with uh, Indie Hops called Option Paralysis. Um, so, uh, Pat, you're right. I mean, the brewers help each other is, is what should be. But in Minnesota, it, it really kind of is true there are a couple people that aren't necessarily, I'm not going to spill those beans, but like we, we, we all want to look out That's for each other. That's what Minnesota nice is. You, you, you have a passive aggressive negative intention towards them, but you don't actually vocalize it. Eh, I lived in Arizona for seven years and I, <laughs> you know, I, I pounded the rest of that all nighter. So no. Yeah. Shout out to Pat in the chat. Yeah. Brewers. 
a rising yeah. tide raises all ships. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, I, I I do see that a lot in like a, everywhere among uh, microbrewers in a way that you don't see it in macrobrewers or in in other industries. Yeah. Yeah. As much. yeah. Very true. One thing of note for the the bill that is super exciting that we got that bill passed, but now we can't bring up new legislation for five years. Oh. It, it's, it's need any, a better lobby. Does, does anything just turn out good in in legislation? Is is there anything that's just like, yay? There's always some caveat, some bullshit that they're like, oh, well, now you can't. Now shut yeah. up for five years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, well, here's here's the thing. You said earlier, it, it's crazy that the state of Minnesota doesn't want to support the breweries. I live in Pennsylvania. We have the second most breweries out of any state, and the state does so little to promote the brewing industry here. We have over 500 breweries. We have the second highest economic impact out of any state and the state doesn't do shit to support the breweries and promote the breweries. It's like they don't exist to a lot of states. It's ridiculous. Uh, we got invited to a beer festival at the Philly Zoo yesterday. Uh, oh. We can't we can't make it, but oh. we got invited. Yeah, it's the same day as one of our block parties, which is the thing I'm going to plug later. <laughs> so one one final question question before we get to the aforementioned plugs uh dan what is uh we talked a lot about beer and and service industry in the twin cities but what is something that you wish the twin cities were more well known for i think that they're you know uh glenn i'm not gonna take a shot at you on this in any sort of way but there's a <laughs> there's a perception about minnesota people is that they're not very welcoming uh, there's the passive aggressive Minnesota. Nice. No, no, no. I mean, there, there is. Yeah. Everybody that moves in from out of town is like, oh, you know, I, everybody's here so cold, which I think is really funny that they use that exact verbiage. But like there is a portion of the population that comes from a very Norwegian, very Scandinavian background. My family's background is farmers. And, and, I, and I'm not speaking for the entire populace. There is there are there are a large number of Hmong people here. There, there's a large black population. There's a large Asian population. There's, there's all of these things. The, the people that these people are talking about more look like me than they look like anybody else. Um, so I want to represent that, that correctly. My grandparents are Norwegian, Swedish, Czechoslovakian, German. So it isn't necessarily that we're cold. It's just that that's how we were raised by our, our grandparents and our parents. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we are much more welcoming, but you cannot come in with the fire. You know, uh, somebody will come back here from Chicago or New York and be like, Oh, I get it now. What somebody was talking about five years ago, but you know, before the, the call uh, Ethan and I were having conversation because he grew up in Southwest Minneapolis and I grew up in Edina, which is a, a suburb over from that. Mm -hmm fucking cake eaters right uh you can't tell me anything about Edina that i don't know uh, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say i didn't pick yeah. it up but that's fine yeah. no no my uh my my first date with my now wife uh she's like oh what what school did you go to thinking that i grew up in southwest minneapolis and i was like oh i'm from edina but i'm not that way and everybody will just like shit on edina if everybody doesn't know so remember the movie the mighty ducks and then the uh, adam banks who came on later to join the team and like you know, was the arrogant, uh, rich kid. Uh, I grew up in that neighbor, in that community. I was not that rich kid, but I know every single one of the people that you're talking about when you say that you hate Edina. And I found it to be pretty okay. So we were talking about that and, and, and really everybody knows everybody else here. If, if you don't know it, that person, you know, three people that know that person. Um, again, my, my now wife, we went to a party together very early on and she introduced me to my friends for the better part of an hour and a half. 
uh, just honestly, we were walking around the party. She's like, this is Jesse Stensby. And I was like, hello, Jesse Stensby. And because it's my friend, Jesse Stensby, he's like, hello, Dan Herman. How are you? Good to meet you. <laughs> and like an hour and a half into this party, she's like, you know, every single person here, don't you? And I was like, I do know every single person here. Jesse Stensby and I have been in a fantasy football league for 12 years, but I didn't want to ruin your good time. So I just went with it. And she was like, oh, you're trying really hard. And I was like, I am. (laughs) And now we have a baby. I will happily report everyone I interacted with in the Twin Cities was very pleasant. Every person at the breweries, every person, uh, people at the uh, help me at the Landmark Center down in St. Paul, uh, the the people that I ran into at the 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 cherry and spoon statue, which I can't remember the name of right now. Sculpture Garden. Walker yeah, the Sculpture Garden. Yeah. Everybody I ran into was was wonderful. Everybody's having a great time. I think it's because the sun was like shining and it was like a beautiful day after like kind of a crappy week. It makes a uh, huge difference. But I, I had a wonderful time. Where can people find Falling mm-hmm. Knife Beer? What do you, you got, got pl- plug plug your brewery? Yeah. One thing I will say about Falling Knife is that we again carry ourselves as a much bigger brewery than we necessarily are as far as like barrelage production. We work really hard. The brewers kill it constantly to make the quality of beer that we have. But we do we did like 2,200 barrels last year. We're not doing mm-hmm. 10,000 barrels. We're not doing 20,000 barrels. We're not anything on that level. Like we opened in October, 2019. Again, let me remind everybody. So um, we feel like we're a a rocket ship with uh, like on Cape Canaveral and there's like a wind all the time. So like we just like lose the ability to just launch uh, every once in a while when like Omicron happens and, and all these kinds of things. Um, But uh, we are in about 90 liquor stores locally and we're in probably like 110 bars and restaurants in the cities. And then we don't not, we don't get out in the market very often. Um, what we do, we send through OTC, uh, Tavor, or else you guys. And we very carefully choose what we're going to send out because we want to make sure everybody has a, a really good experience with it. We've actually like held off a, a shipment out of market because the dates weren't, weren't so fresh. And, and we're good with our hazies really really long we have a centrifuge which is a piece of equipment that we should not have Ooh, at the size ooh, that fancy that, that we that we yeah. are but like it's a it's a it's a worthwhile thing because then we know the quality of the beer will last for a long time and we do 30 60 90 120 150 180 we do we keep nice. beer we keep beer back to see how long how well it ages we just got back something that was on a liquor store shelf not not even the shelf but like they pulled it and we just got it back. That's like two years old. And it was a, a TIPA, a, tri- a triple IPA. And it was not as bad as I would have expected. So like, again, shout out to the, uh, to the brew team for, for making sure that the quality of product is super, super great. It makes my life a whole lot easier to be able to be like, oh yeah, we'll stand behind this beer, for, you know, these hazies for 90 days, which is not something that generally happens in hazies. Shout out to low total package oxygen levels. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we're down in the we're down in the twenties and thirties, where like a hundred is great. But that's nice. That is very nice numbers. That's great, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for supplying these great beers. Yeah, yeah. thank Fantastic you for having beers. me. And, yeah, and thanks for the hangout, Brian. It was really nice to be able to hang out with you in Minneapolis for a while. I know that there was like one day crossover. You showed up early, and I was like, I'm still in North Carolina, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, I am so glad it worked out because I, I sincerely, I had such a wonderful time. That was such a great way to cap. That was like one of the best days I had. I spent the early day hanging out with Nico at Fair State. And he showed me around there and gave me a bunch of great beers there. And then I came over to your brewery and we hung out for a couple hours and it was phenomenal. I had a bunch of beers and met you and met one of the other founders. And Yeah, that was Andy. That was the CEO. Andy, yep. yeah. So, uh, Ethan, yeah. when you come back into town, shoot me an email. Let me know when you're going to be around. We'll, we'd love to give you that same treatment. And then everybody, everybody in chat is talking about like road trip and they're taking a trip here. I'm sure you have a way to get a hold of, of all these people. Like, let your subscribers know when they show up. We'd love to treat them out well. Yeah. Shoot us, shoot us, a, uh, shoot us a message on Instagram or something. We'll, yeah. we'll, we'll set you up. And my email is super easy to remember. It's uh, my name, Dan, at fallingknife.beer. So my name, Perfect. the name of the brewery, and what we sell. So easy. There yeah. we go. Well, but people always enter .com, so it's not .com. There actually is .beer. We bought it, and we're good from there. <laughs> That's great. You mean, you mean, you mean fallingknife.beer.com? No, that doesn't exist. That's not how the internet works. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, thank you so much, Dan. Sadly, this is our last episode featuring these two great cities it mm, has been true. awesome i had a wonderful time visiting the twin cities we have a lot of fun featuring these great breweries glenn and ethan i'd love to get your final thoughts on these cities glenn let's start with you okay uh it's interesting i uh, i feel like we've just i've only learned just the tip of uh of what we have uh in uh in in minnesota but what i did i earlier today like so i want i this inspired me to to look for more so uh of the 217 as of 2020 so as uh, dan said probably a lot more now uh i just want to give i i did go and and look at to see what some beers that that the breweries we've featured beers that i would like to try that are more in my uh stout wheelhouse thing okay uh falling knife Falling Knife actually had so many, it was hard to pick just one. Uh, but Dark Match was the first one that caught my eye. They also had a couple of, uh, I mean, the one he was talking about sounded great too, but also the, they had a couple of pastry styles, but Dark Match sounded great. Fair State has one called More is More. Uh, Modest had one called Oat Rich, which is an oatmeal stout. Uta Pills uh, has a stout called Totally Worth It, spelled W-I-R-T-H. Lake Monster had one called Murmur Milk Stout. And in addition to that, I need to go back because our conversation a couple of weeks ago about the Juicy Lucy, I, I have mm. to try one of those from the source. Um, and the one that uh, it's great. I mean, we mentioned, like I said, over 217 or more. Uh, but the one that I'm most curious about on this is Surly because I've had their their coffee uh, stout here. And I just love to taste more of the things that they do in that range. So uh, so that's uh, that's that's sort of my take on on Minnesota St. Paul is. I want to get more. I want to, I'm going to go there. I want to find more. I want to, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Ethan can show me around. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Ethan, our resident Minnesotan for this month, Ethan, final thoughts. I'll be honest. Uh, so I, uh, I flew to New York city with a bag packed at age 19 to go to college. Uh, and so technically I was not of legal, legal uh, drinking age while I was in Minnesota. No comment beyond that. However, it has been fun to get to know uh, more about the the Twin Cities beer scene. And one of the ways that my dad and I have connected, especially through the pandemic, is to trade beer stories and trade beer adventures. And so to now have additional things to talk about, about the amazing stuff that's coming out of the city's beer scene with the diversity of things that we're having, really classic takes on things to wild uh, approaches and unique business propositions as, as people are starting to build out this burgeoning brewing scene. Um, honestly, it makes me want to go home 
back to the Twin Cities and drink a lot more. And Glenn, you're definitely invited. And Brian, yeah, honestly, I'll come. I'll come. I was going to say, while we're driving from New York, we'll pick you up on the way and we'll just do uh, a little. Oh, driving cross country so we can visit all the states in between. Yeah, exactly. Great. Speaking of, I think the people want to know what's coming next. Yeah, they do. Oh, uh, we can't. The next feature city is. Mm. Uh, say, um, let me just. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've heard. Uh, I, I, I've heard of that place. They're great. I hear they've great got the place. best undercover scene. I can't wait to hear all about them. I mean, really, I can't say enough about them. Well, thanks again to Dan <laughs> for joining us and supplying yes. these great beers. You can find more from Falling Knife at fallingknife.beer. I I just absolutely love a dot beer domain name. Uh, thanks to Glenn and Ethan for uh, joining us, co-host. For oh my god, I'm losing the ability to talk. These are great beers, guys. For co-hosting this month, Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy. I hear you host another podcast. Please plug your podcast. Well, that's right. That's the Beer Avengers podcast. Uh, You can see right there on your screen uh, at the Beer Avengers is where you can find uh, most of our stuff. Yes, Ethan is giving you a full view of that where we are Captain Porter Brown Stout and the Beer Wonder. Um, we, uh, you can, you can, you can find it wherever your podcasts are full name, the beer Avengers. Uh, you can also see the beer Avengers. Uh, we're on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, and also we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that two, ep- two episodes ago, Brian was our guest. So if you want to get to know him a little bit better, know more about his background, you can listen to that. And for those of you who've been with Bruce Less traveled for the whole run, you remember Molly, she is on the episode that just dropped this week. So if you're wondering what's been going on with Molly since she left Bruce Less Traveled, you will find out if you listen to this uh, week's episode of the Beer Avengers podcast, episode Ooh, 16. That. So yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good plug there. So you can find more from us at uh, bruvana.com. And as always, if you're digging this show, the best way to support us is to sign up for the Beer Club, get great beers from Amazing Featured City, ship to your door monthly, and get the opportunity to join the live stream as we record and, you know, heckle me in the chat if you want. Um, <laughs> uh, by the way, this cookie from Arby's has paired nicely with both uh, uh, both beers tonight. If someone in the chat real quick here in the next 30 seconds can tell me what Arby's stands for. I will send you the rest of this cookie uh, directly to you. We have the cookies. That is a gift right there. People do not let uh, let this offer pass you by. See if somebody can tell me what RV speeds. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and untapped at Bruvana. We will be back next week to kick off our next featured city. And we're going to have a familiar face joining us as co-host even a familiar um, voice i would imagine a familiar voice yes yes uh, it, unless she's changed her voice i'm just gonna spill the beans mc is coming back to co-host oh that's for right next month. we love uh, mc she's yes. awesome. MC is great she was on the beer avengers podcast once certified cicerone oh. and certified friend of the pod mm-hmm. mc will be back to uh join us as we go through our next city uh so excited yeah, yeah that's it's uh very unique didn't know they were a beer city. It's that uh, they're truly less traveled. And uh, people are saying roast beef. That is not what it means. If you know, send send a message to us on Instagram. Don't just go and look it up on Google. I have it's, to admit, Scott, Scotty's guess was the one I was going to guess as well. So yeah, everybody. I didn't guess because they didn't want to throw it. Yeah, it is not. And I'm not going to tell everybody what the real answer is because this is the longest podcast we've ever had. And I need to wrap it up. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. <laughs> no.
no, that's fine. That's fine. We're, 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 we're still dragging uh, we're, it out here. We're good at that. Yeah. Again, follow we're, us on we're, all we're those giving places. your editors a lot of challenges this week. Yeah. Shout out to Laura. You got the host of the podcast last week and now you get to edit this, uh, this mess. Um, it's a bonus so, episode. We'll be back next week, but, uh, until then stay safe, be kind and support your local breweries. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.